Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Okay, here it is. Oh, God. Uh, now we have to read it. Yep. What if, what if it's terrible? It's going to be terrible. It's okay. It'll be good someday. Yes. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Craft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain, also a TV writer and producer living in L.A. On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we'll discuss the bad draft. Don't worry, we'll explain what that is later. And we'll talk to our friend and young adult author extraordinaire, Melissa De La Cruz, about her blockbuster career and how it was nearly sidelined by the drug Adderall, which is not only hugely popular in Los Angeles, but all over the country. Are the benefits worth the risks? I am pretty sure the answer to that question is no. Probably. We've also got a Hollywood hack and a celebrity sighting in which I see Common perform for the second time in the last six weeks. That is insane. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before we get to that, we want to tell you all about a resource one of our listeners informed us of. In episode 23, we talked about Harvey Weinstein and the epidemic of sexual harassment in the United States. Part of that ongoing discussion is about the difficulty in doing anything if you're being harassed at work. Yes. And we got a voicemail from a listener um, who was sexually harassed while working at the Justice Department of all Uh, places. Irony there. And she informed us that the EEOC, which is the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, was available to help her, and they can help anyone whose employer has more than 15 employees. They were fantastic to her, and the thing is you don't have to file a lawsuit, which, I mean, who wants to file a lawsuit? Most people do not. You can just file a complaint with them, and they can help you with an investigation. Yes, they have a great website for these types of issues, and a lot of people are not aware that they are a resource. We were not, so we were really happy to get this phone call. Um, And we will link to the EEOC in our show notes. Okay, Liz, let's dive into our segment from the treadmill desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's the bad draft. No, 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 no. All right. So we talked on this podcast about how we're developing this show with Marsha Clark, the former L.A. prosecutor who's famous for the O.J. Simpson double murder trial. Um, Now, 
We officially have a bad draft of the pilot, which is a victory of yes. sorts. We should feel great, <laughs> but we don't feel great because we still have so much work to do. Because this is the bad draft. Yes, and when we have our bad draft, we are left terrified, as always. Will it get great? Not just good, but great. Especially for this script, we want it to be just like. Fucking amazing! Yeah, we want it to be our motto for the year, which、yes. is relentlessly entertaining. We want every <laughs> page to be relentlessly entertaining.、Exactly. And right now, it's entertaining, but it's not relentlessly yeah, entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Next draft, relentless. Yes. Um, and I mean, so we have this over and over again—the bad draft, the first draft, which usually is a bad draft. But I mean, I think other professions. Also experience the sort of bad draft metaphor, like you know, a chef doing a recipe. It's not going to be great the first time、right. she does it. There's a lot of experimenting, a lot of starting over. You start with an idea, and then you hone it and hone it and hone it and hone it. Yeah, I'm sure lawyers, their briefs, they probably have the bad draft of the brief. I mean,、yeah. you know, there's a lot of places where this. Hopefully, in building a house, there isn't a bad draft. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, it's secure the first time around.、Yeah. Hopefully, there's a bad draft of the blueprint. <laughs> yes, and the house itself is good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I actually find bad drafts thrilling. They're stressful, but I love them. Once we have the bad draft. It's like now there's something to work with, right? You know, it's, it's the other side of the mountain. Yes, exactly. I find them exciting and hopeful. I think I find them to be very anxiety-producing because I get a pit <laughs> in my stomach. Yeah, like oh my god, what if it doesn't get good? What if we've spent all this time and it's not going to get where it needs to get? Right. That makes me nervous. Whereas before, it was just all potential. Now、right. it's reality. Yeah. Yes. But we know, you know, it's the age-old phrase: writing is rewriting. Yes. And it's the truest statement ever made. Yes. Every time I think our first draft is going to nail it, and it never does. <laughs> I never think our first draft is going to nail it. <laughs> I always have the hope. And then I read my scenes, and I'm like, "What was I?" Thinking this、right. dialogue is awful,、um, but okay. So how do we move forward? So、yes. we've got our bad draft.、Yeah. How do we and you know everyone else who has, deals with their version of a bad draft? How do we move forward? Ah,、uh, now we dig in. I mean, it's that thing of now we just sit down with it and like openly acknowledge where it's not good enough.、Mm-hmm. And talk about how to make it better. I mean, that's really the process that we're in now: sitting、yeah. down with us and Marcia, and pulling it apart. Yeah, not being afraid to drop a scene, make a new scene,、yeah. uh, change things around, change a character. Well, and I think also, especially because we work. On this, as a group of three, yeah, really not taking things personally, and we practice that a lot anyway because of the two of us. But like when it's the three of us sitting there, really not like being like, "Oh, my part sucks," you know,、yeah. or like because we're talking about something that doesn't work here, that's not like a personal attack. That's just something we're all working through. Yeah, that is huge.、Yeah. Not taking things personally, and I think for everyone, that's a struggle. Even、yes. if you know it's not personal, it's hard not to have your ego bruised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
For me, I think it's important that I like shut out my negative thought patterns where uh-huh. I'm like, it's not good enough. They're not going to want to make it. This right. has all been a waste. You know <laughs> what I mean? I have to like shut all of that out and just be like, okay, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We're in a good place, which we are, by the right. way. Exactly. I mean, I should yeah. add that our bad draft of this is it's a pretty damn good draft. Yeah. I mean, so I don't want no, to be out there by any thinking, logical measure, you know, we we're in good draft. shape. It's just that emotional response that you have to it. Yeah. So that's where we are in the bad drafts there. And we'll have to report back to everyone when we have like the good draft or the final yes. draft or whatever we want to call it. The 800,000 drafts yeah. in between. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Do you struggle with your version of the bad draft? Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or send us a voice memo. Coming up, one of my favorite authors and people, Melissa De La Cruz, who is constantly selling her books to Hollywood for TV and movies, tells us how the pressure to constantly produce new material almost cost her her life. But first, a word from our sponsor. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Now it's time for a segment we call Take a Hike, in which we discuss mental, physical, and spiritual health, probably in a fairly woo-woo way. And today we're talking about physical health with our friend Melissa De La Cruz, who's here to discuss, among other things, the crazily popular drug Adderall. Many people in Los Angeles um, take it. And all over. And all over the country (laughs) take it. Melissa De La Cruz is the number one New York Times bestselling author of many critically acclaimed novels for readers of all ages. She is the author of the bestselling Descendants series. The Isle of the Lost, the prequel to the Disney Channel original movie, The Descendants, has spent more than 50 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, 15 of those weeks at number one, and has over a million copies in print. Her work also includes the Blue Blood series, Witches of East End, which became a series on Lifetime starring Jenna Dewan Tatum. Her recent books include Something in Between, a YA contemporary novel inspired by Melissa's own immigrant experience coming from the Philippines, as well as Alex and Eliza, a historical novel about the romance between Alexander Hamilton and Elizabeth Schuyler. She also wrote the Hallmark movie Angel Falls, which will air in December. Mel, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for coming. So great to be here. Well, you and I went to college together. We went to Columbia. So we have known each other forever. When we Um, were young. Yes, starting (laughs) at 18. We're still young. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, But I have never even asked you, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? 
Uh, yes, I did. You know, it was the only thing I remember kind of wanting as something like, oh, I really want this, you know, in my life. And I think, you know, I was eight years old when I started writing my own little nursery rhyme books. And I think my mom still has one. It's about oh. bears, <laughs> bears, bears everywhere, you know. <laughs> And then when I was 11, I read the Sweet Valley High series that, Liz, you wrote on yes, much later. Yes, and I was the editor of for so, a while. Yeah. So exciting. So I was 11, and there was an article in the newspaper all the way in Manila about the uh, ghostwriters who wrote Sweet Valley High. There were three young, about 22-year-old ladies who wrote the books. And I thought, oh, my God, they're 22 years old. I'm 11. I could be doing this in 11 years. Wow. And until then, I had not thought of authors as somebody, as, as a job, right, you know, right. as something I could do. I thought all authors were 90 years old or dead. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I published my first book. I sold it when I was 27. Okay, 27. And then it came out when I was 29. Wow. And then I wrote for the company that owns Sweet Valley High, uh, I think around 31, 32. Wow. So, Mel, it seems like young adult writers have a tremendous amount of pressure to produce and to publish a lot of books. Why is that? You know, it's it's interesting. I was thinking about that today, like how what the talent that I really have is speed. Mm. Like I can create things at a fast pace. And I think that is the deadline for young adult books. Like, And it's also something about writing for teens. You know, your readership changes, you know, yeah. every four years. Uh-huh. So you have to be with the trends. You have to appeal to a, almost a new generation of kids every, you know, four years or so because they won't have known about you, yeah. you know. So I think that's why. You know, when we think about an idea, it's like from idea to a publication is so short because we want to catch it. Right. So, How long is it usually? You know, it's anywhere from, I would say, six months to two years. Uh-huh. You know, I think two years is the very longest that you can go from idea to YA book, at least in my experience. And then I remember the au pairs. I think uh, we sold the book in... In November, and they wanted it in January, oh, and it published God. in May. Oh my God. I once wrote a young adult book, by the way, in eight days. Yeah, see? <laughs> that was because I was watching the O.J. Simpson trial, uh-huh. and I was, didn't do any of my work, and then it nice. was due, and I just had to sit down and write like 18 hours a day. Oh, it yeah. Was insane, and I remembered nothing that I wrote. It's like a blur. was not my best book. <laughs> Um, all right. Now, Mel, one night we were at dinner. Mm-hmm. This was a while back. Yep. And I was sort of grilling you about this because mm-hmm. at the time I was trying to write a book myself. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to you, how do you produce so much material? Because I just cannot get myself to do it. And you had an answer. <laughs> I said, just take a lot of Adderall. <laughs> yeah. And you were totally serious. You were mm-hmm. like, I take Adderall, Liz, this will change your life. You can sit down, you can focus, you can write for eight hours. Just ask your doctor and you'll get it. It's, uh, I guess, frighteningly easy to find a doctor who is sympathetic to yeah. And, and, you know, we all have ADHD. I mean, they ask you a few questions and I think they ask, you know, do you leave tasks behind? I mean, it's certainly a certain personality type. And Adderall gives your brain a stimulus. It makes you um, be excited to do that. So it gives you that deadline adrenaline rush every day. By taking Adderall, you're actually 
able to sort of do a more routine schedule. Yes. And so, and a lot of other writers were taking it as well. Oh, yeah. No, we were all on Adderall and kind of helping each other, you know, like, how much should you take? You know, we were all going to the same doctor. So. <laughs> uh, and I will say I 100% was like, I need Adderall. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I'm going to do this. But then I never followed through, mostly because I'm just too lazy yeah. to get a prescription. <laughs> no, we had many conversations. You know, I'd be like, I really want to get this Adderall. Yeah. Melissa has told me about it. Sounds wonderful. Um, now, for reasons we'll get into, I'm glad that I didn't right. go yes. down that road. Um <laughs> But so tell us what happened. Mm. So you were doing this. You were producing a lot. It was feeling very helpful. I was doing all right. But at one point, you know, you kind of get a little burnt out and you get a little tired. And uh, and I was really stuck. What happened was I was really stuck on a book. And my friend actually said, hey, take this. Maybe it'll focus you. And I swear to God, I was like, I always tell her, you saved my life. You saved that book. I felt so smart. You know, it is like kind of that magic pill, mm -hmm. you know, that all the movies, you know, are about. And so it just kind of kick-started, you know, this feeling that – and it's also an antidepressant, mm, you know, which I think part of the kind of procrastination, lethargy, uh -huh. and then working so much is that you're kind of like, oh, you're kind of overwhelmed by the task or just all this minutia. And so you take it and you're just like, oh, I can just do it. You know, I can do the dishes. I can write my book. The doctor said that's the side effect. You'll just want to work all the time. Wow. You know, so it's it's the best thing it for people. It is sounding like a wonder drug. <laughs> right, it really exactly. is because you could take it, you know, and I would take it at midnight. You know, I would do all my mom stuff, take my kid to the gospel choir, come home at 11, and then work from midnight to 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. You know, so it felt like you were getting all this free time and, you know, sleeping, of course, four hours right. <laughs> a night. <laughs> so then what, yeah. so what happened that, that so changed So I was taking this? it for about a year and a half. And I was also not exercising, and I hadn't gone to the doctor. I had, like, kind of a more balanced life before it, maybe not super balanced. So once I was on kind of my Adderall period for a year and a half, I would seriously, all I did was work. I would just take the Adderall, and I would work. I ate terribly. I ate fast food all the time, you know, and I just felt like a machine. Like, I would just take it. I would get my work done. And one day, I was actually doing the science project with my kid at a friend's house, and I just felt so weird. Like, And we had been drinking wine, but not that much, maybe a glass. So I said, oh, my God, am I drunk? What is going on? And I felt like I was slurring. And then suddenly, like, I felt like half of my body I could not feel. Like, it was totally numb and weak. And it was so strange. So I got up, and you just wanted to go to the bathroom to collect myself. And then the feeling slowly returned. But I, it was a weird you know, I didn't faint, but I definitely felt disoriented. Mm -hmm. And I, but I didn't even really think it was that bad. Like right. I thought maybe, you know, I had not eaten enough or something. And my friend said, you know, maybe it was just uh, some kind of diet kind of thing, you right. know, reaction. But I didn't want to drive home. So I called my husband and he took me home. And then the next day I didn't do anything. You know, I didn't even go to the doctor. I was like, oh, you know, it passed. And then the day after, so it was almost two days after, you know, what happened to the science project, I was typing 
on my laptop at breakfast, and I couldn't make my fingers go to the right keys. Oh, my God. And that was so weird. And I was like, okay, something's wrong. Oh <laughs> you know, God. why am I typing gibberish? And, and also she said, okay, well, we'll take Maddie to school, and then we'll go to urgent care. <laughs> oh <my laughs> because God. I was like, oh, it's scary, oh, right. you know, that bad. And then so we got to urgent care, and I told them what was happening, and they said, okay, you have to go to the ER right now. You might be having a stroke. Oh and I was like, God. what? <laughs> like, I it never even occurred to me. I mean, it did a little bit, but it just seemed so unbelievable. Right. Yeah. I was so Far young. Yeah. 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 Like, and I was like, what? So, yeah. So we went. Uh, they did a couple of CAT scans and they showed um, real damage that I had gotten. I had had the stroke. And the doctor said I probably had been feeling certain symptoms for a while because it di- wasn't the only one. It wasn't the only occlusion. Oh, so yeah. you had multiple, like, small Yeah, small incidents, incidents oh that I had dismissed as wow. numbness, as yeah. weakness, you know, so... And then a neurologist mm. told you, looking mm. at your scan, that this mm-hmm. was a reaction to Adderall? Yeah. He said this is the Adderall pattern, and it is a rare but not uncommon reaction to yeah. the drug. Um, wow. And I didn't have high blood pressure, but I did have high cholesterol. Mm. So they thought that maybe, or just something genetically in my body was reacting to it that way. Because I wasn't even taking that much, they said. Right. You know, what was prescribed and I, what I was taking. And they were like, no, this is not even that much Adderall, really. It's just some people can't have handle a, it. Have a negative reaction. Yeah. So you stopped taking it immediately. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I know you told me, you're like, okay, that's it. <laughs> and the Adderall. I said, told everybody, stop taking it. <laughs> and so everyone, all of your friends who were taking mm-hmm. it to, to be yeah. productive did stop. Yes. And so now everyone's just sort of yeah. managing. Now we're just coping <laughs> without our wonder drug. <laughs> Yes, a lot of um, meditation apps, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, and a lot of balance. And I think part of the stress came from just feeling that stress. Yeah. You know, if you do feel a little bit more balanced and careful in life, like I get my work done now without it. So it's kind of fascinating to me. And do you still feel that pressure or you're just accepting that you can just do less, but have more stability? You know, I think I just kind of accept the pressure, but I don't respond to it anymore. Uh I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, um, I'm going to get it done and hopefully it'll be as good as it was. But I a lot of the pressure came from my own wanting to please people, Mm. you know. So it's really just my outlook on my work that has changed, you know, because we can write so fast, you know, but we just put it off. Now I just try to create an environment where I can do that writing because mm-hmm. I can write 3,000 words in two hours, you know. That like, is insane. You know, like I can do that. But I need to wow. get to that point where it's flowing, mm-hmm. you know. And what are you doing now to just to recover and stay healthy after the stroke? You know, I take a lot of time for myself. Wow. I try to do yoga. I definitely try to exercise more. I have to exercise three to four times a week. So I force myself to put on my exercise clothes 
Which is saying a lot because you are such a fashionista. (laughs) Normally, she would be wearing the most, you know, incredible outfit every single day. So, uh, but I love that you're doing even your exercise clothes are fashionable. (laughs) I I bought really cute exercise clothes. Uh (laughs) You know, um, yeah, no, I definitely just take care of myself, and I do say no to a lot of things. So I don't say yes to everything anymore. I don't tour as much anymore. I don't do as Mm. much of the mom volunteer that I used to. I'm like, all right, they're not going to have a snack. That's fine. Who cares? <laughs> you know, so you just need priorities. And in terms of like your stamina, do you still feel like you have the same amount of stamina? I mean, in some ways, maybe you can build more stamina if you're exercising and meditating and doing all of that. Yeah, that's why it was weird, you know, that I was relying on something that was artificial when really if you exercise and take care of yourself, you do have your energy for work. And I do try to do a lot of my work in the morning because I find that's when I do, when I can do a lot of creative things and then I do a lot of admin things in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then if I have to work again, I probably work from about 8 o'clock to 10. Okay, so you're not doing the midnight Oh, no. to 4 a.m. No. shift anymore. Yeah, no. And I, My husband, Adam, is still doing that. He oh, did he it does? last night, and yeah. I just, it scares me. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't but, like it. But, but he's but, healthy. Yeah. He's yeah. a night owl. Yeah. As yeah. are you. As am I. I. I would totally do that if I didn't have to get up for the school run. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Look, this is a big thing, taking Adderall. Yeah. Like, it's so huge on college campuses. It's mm-hmm. considered an unfair advantage mm-hmm. to students who take Adderall. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it crosses every industry because everyone feels pressure to uh-huh. be more productive, yep. to yeah. produce more material. I was going to take it yeah. before I <laughs> didn't, thank God. I mean, I just think it's amazing that you're talking about it and, you know, putting this message out to everyone that it's just not worth it. In the it's long not end. worth yeah. it. You know, I mean, it's so sad, but we just have to do all the boring stuff that everybody yeah. says to do, you know, <laughs> which is exercise and, you know, have some kind of quiet time for yourself. A gratitude journal. <laughs> you know, it's like all the things I rolled my eyes at. I kind of do now, and it's so helpful. And, of course, we should say I'm sure there are some people who need Adderall. Yes. Right, medically. Medically, Mm -hmm. and that we're not talking about those people. No. We're sort of talking about everyone who's taking it just to have a little bit of an edge. Mm -hmm. And to get their work done. Yeah. Yeah. You can get all of Melissa's amazing books, including her most recent, Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe, uh, wherever books are sold. And also look for her upcoming Someone to Love, which comes out January 2nd. I read all of her books. I have a whole shelf, Melissa's shelf on our bookshelf. Follow her on Twitter at Melissa De La Cruz and on Instagram at author Melissa De La Cruz. Melissa, thank you so much for coming in today and talking with us. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Coming up, we talk rain pants. But first, a word from our sponsor. I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. 
This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. And now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, rain pants. (laughs) They're so important and awesome. Now, let's explain what they are, because okay. whenever we talk about rain pants, I feel like half the people in the room are Look like, at us what blankly? are rain pants? Which <laughs> yeah. it seems very obvious. But rain pants are thin, waterproof pants that you can put over your regular pants, and they keep out the rain. Very I mean, basic. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's what they are. And we always say that you're not a real Hollywood writer until you have a pair of rain pants. Yes, because when you're on set, inevitably there's going to be bad weather. And it is so awful to get completely soaking wet and freezing and know that you've got 12 more hours. Especially on night shoots. <laughs> yes, until you can change into something warm. And so... When we were young writers on Angel, I believe it was, yep. someone... Lots of night shoots. Lots of night shoots, vampire show. We were introduced to the concept of rain pants. We always travel with them now. Yeah, I distinctly remember before our first night shoot on Angel going to REI and just like loading up on gear. And we have worn our rain pants. I might have the same pair of rain pants. I'm not sure I've upgraded. Because you don't also. wear them often. No, I mean, you may wear them once every two years. Yeah. But when you need them, you need them. <laughs> exactly. So that is our Hollywood hack. Yes. Go out and get a pair of rain pants. Love them. Okay, Sarah, before we go, let's talk celebrity sightings. I had another primo week. Yeah, your life right now, it's crazy. Okay, so you and Adam went to an awards show. By the way, an awards show that I have never heard of and probably no one has ever heard of except the people who go to it. And it was filled, like crazy filled with A-listers. Yes. It's the Hollywood Film Awards. Um, it's not televised, which I think is why a lot of right. people don't know about it. I mean, it's held at the Beverly Hilton, which is also where they have the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, it's also the home of the fundraising gala for Jack's school. <laughs> <laughs> and our friends, Rich and Melissa, invited us, and we've gone with them before. And it's just really fun. And you get really dressed up. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'll Instagram a picture of Adam and me um, at the Hollywood Film Awards. Um, but do you want to just hear, like, part of the list of who was there? Um, yes, I do. So much. Okay. Well, James Corden hosted, who's very charming. Just that is great. Um, he had a joke I thought was very funny. Bryce Dallas Howard was there, and he said, this crowd is so liberal that Bryce Dallas Howard is going to change her name to Bryce Portland, Oregon Howard, <laughs> which I thought was funny. That is funny. Angelina Jolie. Okay. Oh, my God. That's as big as it gets. Yeah. That's like Julia Roberts' level sighting right. right there. Dustin Hoffman. Uh, who, by the way, you saw like two weeks ago. Yes, I just you saw Julia just Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dustin Hoffman, which was interesting because he's been in the news for remarks mm-hmm. he's made, um, you know, in the sexual harassment uh, ongoing story. So yeah. that was interesting. 
Adam Sandler, Allison Janney, Mary J. Blige, Kate Winslet. Harry- oh, we did see in New York. We saw Kate Winslet in New York once. Oh, okay, so it's the second time I've seen Kate no. Winslet. Harrison Ford, John Favreau, Gary Oldman, Jacqueline Bissett, Viola Davis, Jake Gyllenhaal, Margot <laughs> Robbie, Vince Vaughn, Ray Romano, Sean Puffy Combs. I think he's um, brother love now. No, that turns out he was drunk. Oh. <laughs> He's actually still Sean Puffy Combs. Yes. Okay. <laughs> also, I saw Andre Day in Common sing the song Stand Up for Something, which is featured in the upcoming movie Marshall, and will, I think, uh, be nominated for an Oscar this year. I saw wow. them sing it for the second time in the last six weeks. The first <laughs> time was at Oprah's. So I was like, oh, yeah, I just saw them perform this recently at, at Oprah's, Oprah's house. <laughs> You are having a very A-list life. Yes. It was a lot of fun. So thank you to Rich and Melissa for, um, you know, helping out with this celebrity sighting segment. It's a doozy. (laughs) And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or better yet, send us a voice memo. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, give us a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps new listeners find us. Thank you so much to the amazing Melissa De La Cruz for sharing her story. Thanks also to our producer, Jennifer Lai, and thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. Fain, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group that's super fun. Um, Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Okay. So should I do that over again so we're not like, Los Angeles, Los Los Angeles, Angeles, Los Los Angeles. Angeles. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.